This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. Just before he was arrested, Jesus gathered his disciples together and he told them that it was for their advantage that he was going away. It's for your good that I'm leaving. Now, I don't know about you, but these disciples had spent three years with Jesus. They had seen him. They had listened to him. They ate with him. They walked the countryside with him. They saw miracles that he did. And now he's leaving. They had surrendered their lives to him. Everything changed because of Jesus. And now he says, I'm going away, but it's for your good. Does that make any sense? It would have made no sense to them. How in the world could it be good that you're leaving us? We have given our lives for you, and you're leaving us alone. Oh, but he says, I'm not leaving you alone. That's the point. If I don't go away, I can't send the Holy Spirit. But because I'm going away, I'm going to send you someone who will be with you always. He will be in you. He will teach you. He will guide you into truth. He will walk with you wherever you go in ways that I can't physically do that. He's the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the uh, advocate, all different kinds of names. But Jesus said it was important for him to leave so that you could experience the Holy Spirit. Now, if you had a chance, I'm sure, if you had a chance today to hear Jesus preach, you would go hear him. If you had a chance to go to a meeting where Jesus was at, you would go to that meeting. Wherever it would be, I would dare say if it was around the world, some of you would make the effort to go and say, I want to see Jesus. I want to I meet this person. I want to see this person up close and personal. Well, Jesus said that he can't do that. But he would send us the Holy Spirit who would not only be with us, but who would be in us. Let me say it this way, and you may not have ever thought like this before, but it is better for the Holy Spirit to be here than it is for Jesus to be here. Think it over. Jesus can only be one place at once. It's better for you that the Holy Spirit is here today than that Jesus is here today. I'll just let that percolate a little bit in your minds. You can think about it. We have been talking for the month of uh, of March about the Holy Spirit. That little video that you just watched is kind of a review of uh, all the roles of the Holy Spirit and and, uh, uh, talking about the Spirit. Uh, We've been talking about the fact that 
Uh, we live a power-filled life because of the Holy Spirit. We are powered by the Holy Spirit. Everything we do, everything God wants us to do, we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't do those things. Whatever it is, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit in your life. And God expects us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, A.W. Tozer was a, a, a preacher years ago in the late 50s. Um, he was actually one of the uh, leaders of the Alliance Church. And he said this, The Holy Spirit is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It's part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. Living a spirit-filled life is not just for certain special people. It's for everybody. God wants everybody to live powered by the Holy Spirit, led and directed and guided and used supernaturally as the Spirit works through us. That's what God's intention is for us. It's not a special deluxe form of Christianity. It's what he wants for every Christian to know the power of the Spirit working in our lives. And so if it's good to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, how do we release him to work more fully in our lives? Last week, if you were here, we had about 170 candles all lit, representing us. I tried to get a 220, but it took me too long, and I didn't have enough tables, and I was afraid I might set the place on fire. So we had, but we did have 170 of these candles, and they represent us. You are represented by this candle. Every single one of you, if you call on the name of Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Scripture says you have the Spirit of God in you. The Bible says in one place that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So we have several candles here today, all in different containers, but it's the Spirit of God that unites us and makes us together as one. We all have the Spirit of God, even though the outside may look different, it's the Spirit of God in us. And sometimes, isn't it amazing, sadly, how sometimes in churches we get so hung up on the outside? We get so hung up on people's physical appearances and what they wear or how they dress or how they, what, they, what they do. We get so caught up in that and we forget that the outside is only valuable because of what's inside. It's only the spirit in us that gives us life. It's not the outside. And so sadly, over times and over years, there's a, been a focus on the outside. And the outside, Jesus even said, it's not what's outside that counts, it's what's on the inside. He said, on the outside, you look really good, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You've got to have the Spirit of God in you. That's what makes the outside important, is because we have what's on the inside. And so these lights, only three of them today, but they represent us. And the question today is, how can that light inside you change the world? You see, this little candle right here, has the potential to start a forest on fire. It has the potential to burn down your house. This little candle has the potential to be a campfire around which you sit and warm yourself and cook your hot dogs. This little light. But how is this little light going to be set free and allowed to become the light which makes a difference in our world. How do we take this little light and allow it to be released, its power, in our lives? And of course, we would talk about the fact that 
we need to give it fuel. We need to put it in a proper environment in which it can flourish, in which it can become more. And as I said today, every one of us has the Holy Spirit in our lives, every one of us. And our challenge today is, how do we let the Holy Spirit be released in our lives so that we have more of him and he has more of us? How do we provide the atmosphere in which the Spirit of God can radically change us and make a difference in our lives? That's what we're talking about today. And at the end of the service, it's, we're going to go fairly quickly, but at the end of the service, really, this service is all gearing to one thing. We're going to just close in prayer. If you don't want to stay, you can leave. But we're going to pray for people who want more of the Holy Spirit in their lives. That's all we're going to do. So that's where we're headed, just in case you want to know. So here are some things that we need to do to release the Holy Spirit in our lives. Five things. We'll go through them very quickly. Number one, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I don't know of anybody who gets drunk accidentally. You get drunk by making a choice to drink. I don't know of anybody who is filled with the Holy Spirit accidentally. You make a choice to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a command that the Apostle Paul gives. Don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Make a choice to live for God. Make a choice to let the Holy Spirit flow in your life in a, in a way that controls your life. The whole passage that's there for you, and I printed it out for you, it says, do not get drunk with wine or get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father of everything, or the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, in, one, in the next passage, it says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Be subject to one another. Being filled with the Spirit is not, how do I say this? It's not as supernatural and eerie as you think it is. Being filled with the Spirit means we use our tongues wisely. Being filled with the Spirit means we speak to another, one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to God. Being filled with the Spirit means we become subject to one another. In other words, we treat others as though they're certainly equal, if not better than us. We regard them more because of Christ, even than we do ourselves. Sometimes we think being filled with the Spirit is, oh, and that may be part of it. You may have those experiences. But being filled with the Spirit also means that you allow the Spirit to work in your life, that it changes the way you act towards other people. And it's a command. It's something that God commands us to do. Be filled with the Spirit. So you have to make a choice. I want the Spirit to work in my life. I want to have more of the Spirit in my life. That's a choice you have to make. Don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Point number two. Another way that we release the Spirit in our lives is we turn away from every known sin. We turn away from every known sin. Have you noticed that the name of the Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit? Have you noticed that? That means you turn away from sin. 
If you want the Spirit of God in your life, then you have to turn away from sin in your life. Not only is his name holy, but his main role, and it went back to John chapter 16, his main role is to convict the world of sin. So why would we expect the Holy Spirit to work in our lives when he's already spoken to us about certain sins in our lives that we haven't dealt with yet? We haven't dealt with them. Be it gossip, be it attitude, be it secret sins that nobody knows anything about, or be it very public sins that everybody's aware of. Why would we expect the Holy Spirit to be released in our lives if we're going to hold on to sins that he's been sent to convict us of? You've got to come to the place where God there's things in my life I know that shouldn't be there. I need to get rid of them. I need to deal with them once and for all. You see, we talk about the grace of God, and in Romans chapter 6, I believe it is, it says, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? And the answer is no. I know that grace overlooks our sin, but you don't go on sinning just so that grace may abound. No, the Bible says that the Spirit convicts us of sin because he wants to purify us. He wants us to be like Jesus. And so we have to get rid of things in our lives that we know. We know God's already been dealing with them in our hearts. So turn away from every known sin. If you want the Holy Spirit to be active in your life, point number three is you have to ask. You have to ask. In Luke chapter 11, the scripture says, if you then are evil and yet you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask. Ask him. Some people just assume, because I'm a Christian, the Holy Spirit's going to do some things in my life. Sometimes we have to get to the place, the Bible teaches us, that we have to ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. Um... Just as a parent would never give anything to a child uh, that would harm them, so the, God's not going to give us something that would harm us. I, I've talked to people. I've literally talked to people in church that said, Pastor, I don't want to ask for the Holy Spirit in case I get something else. It's like, what? What are you talking about? In case I get something that will embarrass me. What? Would you do that to your children? Would you give something to your children that will hurt them or mock them or make light of them? Of course not. We're not going to do that to our kids. Why would God do that to us? If you ask for the Holy Spirit, he wants to give it to you because it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. He wants us to have the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, there was a spiritual awakening in a town close to Jerusalem. I mean, it was wild. People were getting saved. There were demons being cast out. There were healings taking place. It was incredible. Philip, one of the deacons, was preaching, and things just began to happen in a supernatural way that was just amazing. And it says that when the disciples back in Jerusalem heard about it, they sent out Peter and John to pray for them in regards to the Holy Spirit. 
it says in this, he says, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd been baptized in water. They'd given their Lord, their, their lives to Jesus Christ, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John were sent out to pray for them. And of course, you know the story, if you read it through, that when they prayed for them, they received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so you have to ask. Don't just expect, ask. There's nothing wrong with asking. Uh, We ask. Sometimes I I, I see this in so many areas of our lives that we just expect God's going to do certain things in our lives when he tells us to ask. Jesus tells us to ask. What did he say? Ask and it'll be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek and you will find. Jesus is very plain about this. If you want something from God, you've got to ask him. You want healing? Ask for healing. God, I'm here again. You've not healed me yet. Jesus even told the story. Remember the story of the widow and and the judge was not treating her properly and says she went to the judge day and night, day and night, begging that judge, demanding from that judge that she get justice. And finally, an ungodly judge said, enough is enough. Give her what she wants. I'm tired of her. And Jesus used the story to say, if an unjust judge acts that way, how much more does God respond to people when they come to him and ask for mercy, ask for grace, ask for healing, ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask. Point number four. If you want to know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to learn to receive. The Holy Spirit is not something you earn. Uh, You can go to church the rest of your life, every day of your life. You don't get the Holy Spirit because you earn it. You don't get the Holy Spirit because you deserve it. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You accept it. The gift is not debated. It's either received or it's rejected. The promise in Acts chapter 2, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. And the promise is to you and your children and all who are far off. If you want the Holy Spirit to be active in your life, you have to receive him. And uh, that means not coming to God like this. Give it to me if you want to give it to me. It means come to God like this. I want what you have. I'm going to accept what you have. And the other thing about receiving is you take it as it is. You take it as it comes. Um, Preachers are crazy. I know we're crazy because we always relate to our kids and um, I have to apologize to our kids sometimes. But, you know, life has changed for us. We have adult kids now. And um, there was a time when we would give them something for Christmas and it really didn't matter what it was. They just received it with joy. They accepted it. It was great. But they're older now. Um, 
Now they tell us, uh, just give us gift cards. We'll go get what we want. Um, the grandkids aren't like that at all. They're still of the mind. If grandpa or grandma is giving it to them, it must be good. They're still of that mind. Our kids aren't of that mind anymore. Our, our, our adult children, they're not of that mind anymore. In other words, they believe that their tastes are better than our tastes, so just give us money and we'll get what we want and what we think is good. Sadly, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're sometimes like the adult kids. We say we want the Holy Spirit, but we don't want this, or we don't want that. And we try to restrict God as to how we receive the Holy Spirit. I've, ha I've, I've talked to people, and uh, those of you who've been here for the last four weeks know that I have not talked a lot about baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've not talked about tongues a lot. But I have had people say to me, Pastor, I would have the Holy Spirit as long as I don't get tongues. I don't want that. Really? I mean, accepting and receiving a gift means receiving it as it's given. As long as you say, I want, but you're not going to receive anything from God. You're not going to receive anything from God. When you come to the place where you say, God, I don't care how you package it. I don't care what color it is. I don't care what it looks like. I just want more of you. Just give me more of you. However you want to give it to me, just give me more of you. Then you're in line to receive something from God. As long as you put your hands up and say, I want it this way and this way only, then I believe God would say, well, I don't think you're ready yet to really receive what I have to give you. And so if you're going to receive it, just have your hands out and say, God, however you want to give it to me, just give it to me. I'll take it whichever way you want. I've told the story so many times, I know you're getting tired of it, but it's so real to me. Because as a 19-year-old, I was brought up in the Pentecostal church. I didn't know any theology. I hadn't been to Bible school. We spent the summer in Jasper uh, on, a, on a street mission team, talking to people, running a coffee house. I didn't know theology at all. I just knew I was brought up in church. I knew I was brought up in a Pentecostal church. I didn't, if you asked me to explain it, I wouldn't know how to explain it. I just know that's the church I went to. And at the end of this summer, in 1973, uh, there was a train strike, and I had to take a bus from Jasper to Windsor, Ontario. That's a long bus drive, by the way. I'll just tell you, that's a long haul. And so we were on the bus, and I ended up in Toronto having to wait for the final connection to get to Windsor. And the bus station, as I recall, was crowded with people. And being a 19-year-old, being a kid back then, I had a suitcase uh, of some sort, and it had stickers all over it. And some of the stickers reflected the fact that I was a Christian. I don't know what they said, but they reflected something about the fact that I was a Christian. And so a guy came up to me, a stranger came up to me, and said, I, 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 see, I see you're a Christian by the stickers on your bag. He says, what did you do this summer? And I explained that I was out in Jasper working on an outreach team, doing stuff, running a coffee house. Oh, he said, what church do you go to? And he, I said, I, 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 go to, I, I go to a Pentecostal church. Really, he says. Do you know anything about being baptized with the Holy Spirit? Uh, I, I know I have received it, but I, 
Don't ask me to explain it to you. He says, well, I belong to such and such a church. I won't name the church. But he says, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in that stuff. I said, well, I, I can't help you. I, I don't know. I, I just know I've experienced it, and it's been good for me. He's, he said to me, and I'll never forget his words. That's why years later I'm still reminded of them. He said to me, well, frankly, he says, I really don't care what the church says. He says, all I know is if it's of God, I want it. And if it's not of God, I don't want it. Boy, I remember those words so clearly. They've really become a mark in my life. If it's of God, I want it. If it's not a God, I don't want it. I think that's good for every one of us sitting in this place today. To come to church every Sunday and say, if this is of God, I want it. And if it's not of God, I don't want it. If it's of God, I want it. If it's not of God, I can live without it. That's a great attitude to come. That's an attitude of receiving however it is that God wants to receive. And then the last point I want to talk about, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to keep on being filled. You need to keep on being filled. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, the exact same disciples, the Bible says, were filled again with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They prayed, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, the very first verse we looked at earlier today, it says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The word be filled with the Spirit is a tense which is continual. It's not be filled once, but be filled continually. I don't care what your experience was 25 years ago. I'm concerned about today. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? The best car in the world eventually runs out of fuel. And you need to refill it. You, in your ministry, as you serve God, will get tired. And you will need a refilling. The disciples did. And if the disciples needed it, I'm guessing that we do too. Don't you think? Be filled with the Spirit. In fact, uh, late last night after everything was done, my sermon was done, everything was sent off, it's ready to go this morning, and, and a, a verse came to my mind. It's actually in, in the book of Acts chapter 6 when they were looking for, uh, uh, for deacons, the very first deacons that were ever chosen to serve the church. They gave some requirements. This is what were required of being a deacon in the church. And the first thing it says is they are to be full of the Spirit. Not filled with the Spirit, but full of the Spirit. Do you notice the difference, you English scholars? Filled with indicates something that happened in the past. Full of means you're full today. Don't tell me about your past experience. Are you full of the Holy Spirit today? Are you living a life in such a way that the Holy Spirit has access to every part of your life today and he's free to flow through you? You see, we talked last week as part of our message that one of the pictures Jesus used about the Holy Spirit was that of a river. He said in John uh, chapter uh, 15, I believe it was, that... Um, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it says, out of your belly will flow rivers of water and explains very clearly that he was speaking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been poured out on him. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't a lake. He doesn't come to fill you and just sit there like a reservoir. 
He comes to be a river inside you, flowing through you to other people, to use you in regards to ministry. The Holy Spirit is so important that uh, wherever the disciples went, they made an effort to ensure that all believers were filled with the Spirit. Years ago, we invited a speaker to our church to speak on the topic of the Holy Spirit. And um, he was there for three nights and speaking. And uh, I remember at the, at, in one of his sermons, one of his messages, he told the story of a guy who was hungry for God, really wanted to have a, a God experience in his life. And it says that he went out walking in the hills around his community. And as he was walking through the hills and through the countryside, he was praying to God and he began to pray in a loud voice. He says, um, I want more of you. I want more of you. And he said, almost immediately, there came back an echo. I want more of you. I want more of you. You see, when you call out to God, I want more of you, uh, God's calling out to us saying, I want more of you. You can't have more of God unless you're willing to give more of yourself. Unless you're willing to surrender. Surrender pride. Surrender maybe even intellect. Surrender everything to God. No man comes to God holding on to things and thinks that they can have more of God. You've got to let go. You've got to surrender to God. And so I say this to you. If you want more of God and God's spirit, he wants more of you. We're going to close. Um, we have a song we're going to play on, on, uh, on the video. Uh, it's a song that we've sung in our church, and um, they're probably going to repeat it several times. Um, and so we're going to sing this, or feel free to sing along with them as they sing, but make it your prayer. It talks about the Holy Spirit and how God is um, welcome here. Why don't you stand and sing along with the lady who's singing this song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome.